Hey. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. 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 Using that email client? That the entire show is about the email client. Hey. They apparently you can have your own domain now. Is that true? Oh. Yeah, just in the last few days. I do have a hey.com account. But I don't use it with my domain because you couldn't do that. Because you couldn't. Now I think they have that. Maybe I will because I like hey. Although there are things I don't like about hey too, so I don't know. Well, email, email is one of those categories of thing that is so personal to how you get through your day and your work and your life that if you think about it at all, you'll find things to dislike about any (laughs) possible implementation. Well, yeah. In this case, though, it my concerns are more that the app is a web app, and it Uh I kind of wish I could use it with. any app but whatever i uh, i like their system i've adopted their system largely on my own yeah that's a powerful thing about trying things like that is that sometimes you can learn something like it'll teach you how to do things in a certain way and then you don't need the tool anymore that's right so i, I i've been i still send all my email to it though like so i just forward everything mm-hmm. uh and i think about it so i don't know now that i because the problem was of when i was trying to use it for realsies uh i would i could use it but i would have to respond reply from yeah yeah and the other thing too is i don't know if they support aliases which is something i use all the time i'm gonna i think the new one okay cool because i can can you because like responding from an alias is so awesome i assume i assume they support that so for some context Mm, always enjoy the context neat necessary fact situations well, it's like sometimes I'll just jump into something and I'll say a fact and you're like, I don't know the thing you're giving a fact about. So this is meaningless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I always want to at least establish, do you do where do we know the thing that I'm even talking about? Sounds good. That I'm going to give a fact about. I think you probably will, but people make sure people uh, are familiar. We with don't it. know. So have you ever used like maybe at a grandparent's place or something what they would call crystalware? Uh yeah, they, I'm I am vaguely aware of this concept. Yes, that there's some sort of it's like these heavy faceted, yeah, like wine goblets and things. Yeah, that are made of that are supposedly made of crystal. I guess. Yeah, supposedly. Okay. So, fun fact: this so-called crystal mm. is not crystal at all, mm. but in fact, leaded glass. Oh, okay. So we're we're both back on I would say scheme corner. We're also back on leaded glass corner, which is... We're on leaded glass corner. We're on maybe a bad idea corner. Maybe a bad idea corner. We're on, uh, you know, grandparents corner. We got a lot of corners here. This is a... Yeah. Yeah. So I felt like it was in theme. Yeah. By the way, if someone wants to leave us a a five-star review on iTunes and calculate how many corners are in the room we're in when we record this show, that would be super... (laughs) Simultaneously. Yeah. Super cool. I would like to know, like, are we in like a 48 cornered room an 86 cornered room like how many corners are in this room of course you and i physically record this show in, in a, a literal space and it has the corner set in up. a many-sided cornered room with signage with lots of signage where it says like scheme corner or something <laughs> in the corner scheme corner is the most decked out of the that corner has a lot it's going been on pointed. yeah we like that corner yeah, it's a, a fireplace yeah. so if you, if you or at least they claim it's a fireplace <laughs> that's right you don't you don't believe anything in scheme corner but if you, you gotta be watch your watch your if back. you're listening at home and you love the show and you want to help other people discover the show and you want to go to itunes leave us a five-star review and a, a rating and a review which we would absolutely appreciate uh and you want to calculate how many corners are in the room i mean i know the answer because i can just look around but i'm curious if you know the answer you make your guesses yeah make your guesses and we'll see how who gets the closest and we'll read about it on air so normally glass okay unleaded is made with calcium unleaded unleaded gas yeah Yeah, this is the depending on the octane yeah yeah yeah. my car only takes unleaded glass yeah yeah so (laughs) but normally glass is made with calcium okay uh and silicon yeah it's basically sand right heated sand yeah yeah um but they in what they call crystal um, and has historically been you know, all crystal or just crystal, crystal wear crystal wear which is not crystal okay that's what we've established so not we're not talking about the secret the secret truth of crystal we're talking about the secret truth of crystal wear of crystal wear okay. what is referred to as crystal uh replaces the calcium with lead so it's like lead and silicon that's okay um which makes it heavier yeah so it feels more Beefy. substantive yeah clearer clearer okay yeah, so that actually you would think lead would be pretty not clear. Yeah, not at substance. all. Yeah, I'm picturing lead um, in my head and it doesn't look very clear. 
Yeah, right. Um, but that's just your stereotype, man. Oh, that's just I need to open my mind. You're putting lead in a box. Open your mind yeah. to heavier, clearer, and more refractive glass. Wow. Glass. Okay, so leaded glass, it, does that mean like if I held it up to a light, I would see cooler stuff? Yeah, because the refractive index, that you can sort of think of that as like, you know, in a prism where like you know, white light comes out and it splits out into its component colors. Right. Uh, it's like propensity to doing that is higher in a more. So it's like CMYK substance. instead of RGB. That's exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> that's how the scientists refer to that's it. That's I'm sure yeah. they do. That's how the printers work. They got the, let a crystal in there. Yeah. Only oh, nothing but the facts. Nothing folks. but the facts here for you all. <laughs> um, so so let a glass heavier clearer and more refractive seems like just a good idea right seems... well i'm curious about the lead part is the thing where i would be completely a just concerned. a good idea yeah no problems at all there no problems uh-huh. so apparently um this is relatively safe like safer than you would think considering that like you know we know lead poisoning is a problem that has caused uh, a lot of grief over you know humanity um but though it's pro- quite stable in the glass form. Okay. Um, and so for the most part, it's uh, stable enough that if you have a wine glass, you put some wine in it, you drink the wine out of it, you're not going to pick up too much lead. That's good. Um, that, which is good. Um, but if you say maybe a decanter and then put like some highly alcoholic beverage in there and then just like left it in there for a while, then mm. that would maybe not be a super great idea. Hmm. Which people do. Unfortunately, that was one of the most a lot. uses of crystal. <laughs> like that's that's <laughs> like it looks really cool. the only thing people use that stuff for. Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays. Like it used to be more common to have uh, crystal wear. So I always uh, felt like for the, your glasses. I've always felt like the crystal wear lived in that same category of like this is the nice stuff that we that is waiting for yes. some guest who will never actually like no one is ever fancy enough for this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I don't know whoever you think the fanciest person is like they could be coming to your house and maybe then but if the queen visits in, in Canada, if the queen visits. Yeah. Um, we don't have a queen in either of the countries that I am a citizen of. So I can't. Yeah. Really but relate. if the queen, if the queen visited you, wouldn't you break out the crystal or you'd be like, no, 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 I'm waiting. I don't know. Only Angela Merkel deserves crystal wear in our home. <laughs> I would definitely break out the crystal if Angela Merkel was coming to visit. Yeah. Because she's cool. Yeah. I mean. Not quite as as uh, like I I would expect that Angela Merkel would be more tolerant of non crystal glassware. I than definitely anything, think I she know. she would be. She's from East Germany originally and all this stuff. But like I feel like I I feel like she deserves it more because of that. I feel like the Queen. It's like well, she's earned it more. <laughs> she's earned it more. The Queen has done nothing, nothing yeah. to deserve it. Well, so. she did a couple things, but yeah, definitely in scale wise. You're yeah. so Canadian. Okay. <laughs> um, we've gotten slightly off topic. It's only so. slightly for us. Only slightly. You may be asking yourself. I might. Well, Alan, I I hear your advisement, but I can't help myself. I really, really want to store liquor in my crystal decanter. And I've just been just, doing it I for so long. Resist. I don't want to stop. You've been doing it for so long. Yeah. And the longer you do it, the the poorer your judgment becomes. The tastier <laughs> it is. Yeah. All that lead. Yeah. So apparently, in some cases, when liquor has been left in um, lead crystal decanters for long enough it can reach uh intensity levels of as high as twenty thousand micrograms per liter which i'm not a is that good an expert is that bad i'm not a totally an expert and actually honestly i found this slightly follow up i was trying to like answer okay well twenty thousand micrograms per liter sounds not great right um it sounds like a lot of micrograms <laughs> it does <laughs> sound like a lot of micrograms right um so I in my research it seemed like maybe 300 micrograms a day seemed like one of some of the guidelines that they're like yeah that's an okay amount of lead. So don't drink a liter of whiskey from a lead decanter per day. Don't drink a liter of whiskey. Okay, I know that I currently live in Europe. Mm-hmm. But how much is a liter? <laughs> <laughs> don't drink a quart. I think a liter. Okay. Of what Don't drink a quart of whiskey. I know that I'm from the United States, but how much? Is a... <laughs> so let's see. A liter is four really not, cups. It's not of not a quart defined as just a quarter of a gallon. Isn't like that the only thing that's easy to to remember? Isn't it? Isn't that oh, a quart? Oh, is? 
Is it? I don't know. Nights. That would make a lot of sense. Apparently, a liter is 4.224 cups. Yeah, a quart is a quarter gallon. It's just short for a quarter gallon. It's like two pints. Don't drink two pints of whiskey per day from a crystal decanter. But, Alan, it's so tasty. Unless you would like both minor lead poisoning and substantial alcohol poisoning is the official position of this show mm. on Lead and mm. Crystal and Pints of Whiskey. Mm, I don't know if it's the official position. Supposedly, this um, habit of and preference for storing uh, liquor in these crystal decanters may have contributed to diseases of the upper classes back in the day, such as gout and things like that. It's not, uh, oh. you know, doesn't seem like it contributed to lethal levels of lead uh, poisoning, but when you have chronic low-grade exposure to lead apparently this it may have been a contributor uh to some things obviously upper class is more likely to be uh having their fancy decanters decanting there yeah yeah lower classes uh-huh. just go straight for the bottle so y- yeah you don't have to worry about as much that's a lot of whiskey okay so <laughs> the the lesson i'm learning here is i don't need to change anything i may or may not be doing well i don't know I, i'm not sure how much whiskey you're drinking i don't know how leaded your decanters <laughs> are i'm just putting it out there <laughs> That uh, yeah. somebody be aware of, and, and so, so like context for all of this, grandparents being like, "Oh, would you would you ever want our leaded glassware?" They don't call it leaded. Do you ever would ever want our crystal? Um, and I did mm. kind of like have a. It's it's kind of pretty at least, and so I, yeah. I think like, oh, yeah. oh maybe like a rocks glass or something like that. And they're like, "Oh, this decanter," and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> 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 maybe the maybe the rocks glass. And now you now you want it, and you want to put a lot of whiskey in it, and you want to drink it very quickly. I, I want to drink it so quickly that it doesn't have time to leach the lead. That's the solution. Oh no, you want to drink it very slowly so you get that 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 sweet sweet lead poisoning. Well, you just want like a touch of lead, hint of lead. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I hit double that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, g- thank you very much. I feel like this was like a public service announcement. Yeah, it's just, it was uh, it was important, I think, for everyone to know. Yeah. My fact is also a public service announcement oh, of a sort. Well, we're doing we're doing important work here. Yeah, I think, think I think what I'm about to tell you is extremely important that you and everyone we li- that listens to the show knows as soon as possible. Okay. All right. Well, lay it on us. We should have made that the first fact. Okay yeah <laughs> well yeah we've probably probably right fun fact mm. contrary to popular myth iceland wasn't named as any kind of special message but greenland was oh interesting so iceland was not land of ice well so let's get so the, the myth that i had always heard and maybe you heard this as well was that iceland was named iceland as a sort of reverse marketing campaign to discourage people from settling there ah, i have heard that yeah yeah, it's like a little bit like nowadays, it's like, oh, we found a the, the cool hidden spot somewhere, and now I don't want to tell anyone about it because I don't want the tourists to know about it, even though I'm a tourist who just found this. Yeah, especially nowadays, it's been, well, not now nowadays, but like not in the now, last 10 nowadays, years, Iceland has become a m- much more popular tourist destination. That's ab- that's absolutely right. But so I, I was curious about this, so I looked it up, and I found out that Iceland was actually named three different times. Mm. The According to the sagas of the Icelanders, which is what a cool name for a book. Oh, that yeah. Is, the the first Norseman to reach Iceland was a Norwegian was a Norwegian named Nadod Nadad not really N A D D O D D so I don't know Nadad I guess Nadod. probably yeah so in the ninth century he named the country Snowland which means snowland wow. and he named it that because it was snowing so it's a pragmatic guy it's I love I think that's delightful mm. but shortly thereafter unfortunately for Nadod uh, a Swedish explorer named Garthar Svavarsson, I really love saying these names, even though I'm sure I'm doing it No, I think that sounds great. (laughs) And he was the first person to circumnavigate Iceland, thus proving it was, in fact, an island. Mm -hmm. He went back to Sweden with his discovery and named the country Garthasrummer, which literally means Garthar's Island. Right, because he circumnavigated it, so it's his island. That's how it works. That's my island now. But, unfortunately for him, a Viking named Fluki Vilgertharsson hmm. arrived mm-hmm. and he didn't have a good time i would say his his daughter drowned oh, along geez. the way okay and his livestock all starved to death mm. and he was pretty sad about that which i think is uh totally reasonable. reasonable and he climbed a mountain in his sadness and he saw the arnafjörther fjord mm-hmm. and it was full of icebergs sure and so he called it iceland and so th- that was like a more a compelling story story to 
I guess he just that maybe stuck. he was just the last one to name it, and then people started going there. But he won. Can we just rename things, and then it's like, well, I mean, it was called Canada, but yeah, I think you can. What should we rename Canada? Oh, I think we could come up with some good fun, things. Fun factia. Fun factia. Yeah, that's a good start. <laughs> we'll go with that. And then in the Wikipedia page, we're like, Canada was named twice. First, originally Canada, <laughs> and then 2020. Fun fact later. <laughs> Someone, please, please edit the, the Wikipedia. That's the great thing about Wikipedia. Anyone, can, it's the you people's encyclopedia. The truth. Yeah, <laughs> it's a truth-changing machine. But so, so that's why Iceland was called Iceland. But Greenland. So, it in the early days of Iceland, there was a Icelander who whose name was eric thorvaldson hmm. and he but he was called the, the more the you may have heard him by his more well-known nomenclature eric the red mm-hmm. yeah which he was probably called that because he had red hair that was and my assumption yeah and he his father thorvald asvaldson was banished from norway for like killing a bunch of people sure as you do seems like a reasonable and reason he, to banish someone. yeah so he sailed to iceland with his son eric and eric actually you know they say the uh the Icelandic apple doesn't fall that far, fall that far from the tree. That's a famous saying. He, that's the famous saying. We all know it. Yeah. So similarly to his father, he was also exiled from Iceland because of some killing issues. And he ended up sailing to this mysterious land that Icelanders had tried to settle before him but had never stuck with. Sailed up the western coast and found a seemingly ice-free area that where he spent his three-year exile kind of exploring. Mm-hmm. And when he came back to Iceland, he brought stories of the land he had explored, which he called... Greenland. Because he was like, hey, I, you can come out, hang on this other island. That's right. You live in Iceland. Anyone. You live in Iceland. And I'm going to, I'm trying to get you to go to Greenland, which sounded really appealing. Yeah. And he, he actually was quoted saying people would be attracted to go there if it had a favorable name. Mm-hmm. So he got a lot of people. He he got what, what he called the like poor Vikings without, without a lot of like good land and stuff. So he got, he got them to go with him to Greenland the next year. And 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 they established a col- like a permanent colony there. Unfortunately, about eight years later, an epidemic came through, ravaged the colony, and and killed him. But as a bonus fun fact, Eric's son was also the first known European to set foot in North America huh. many hundreds of years before Christopher Columbus. His name, as you probably know, was Leif Erikson. Yes. Oh, Erikson, son of Eric the Red. Huh. I didn't know that. There you connection. go. Huh. And he explored what he called Vineland, which is currently thought to be Newfoundland, Canada. Right. Yeah, huh. so there you go. Iceland, land of ice. Greenland, land of green. Supposedly. I had always kind of liked the idea that I had never researched because I didn't want to be disproven, but now you've just gone and popped my bubble. That Iceland was just cognate with island. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Nope. It's also worth pointing out that Greenland is absolutely not called Greenland in the Greenlandic language of the natives who were already living there. So Iceland is kind of cool uh, in the sense that, uh, as far as I understand it, when the Norse arrived at, and if anyone knows differently, please let me know, but as far as I understand it, Iceland is one of the very few countries in sort of modern-ish, when I say modern-ish, we're talking like the last 1,200 years, that was settled by people... So in history. Yeah, that was settled by people that was empty. Oh, yeah. I suppose that Greenland had indigenous people. Greenland had and still has indigenous people, and their language... In their language, the name of Greenland is Klalit Nunat, which I'm also I'm sure saying wrong, but uh, I just think that's that's important to point out. Do we know what it, do we know what it means? Yeah, so we do in the in in Greenlandic. It's like I said, Klalit Nunat. It means land of the Klalit. Oh, okay, so, that's their people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the Seems Klalit reasonable. are the indigenous Greenlandic Inuit people. They only make up. They're actually not the only native people in Greenland. Hmm. Uh, as far as I understand it, there are a few different. There's the Klalit people. There's the there's the uh, Inuquit, and there's the Tunumit Orasiat. I don't know the Tunumit. That's the name of their language. So the Tunumit is the other people. So I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the sort of native Greenlanders to get too deep into it. But yeah, it's, but I just this wanted is to my point stereotype out. of the Europeans come in and they like gotta brand it. Like oh no, this is Greenland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then indigenous yeah, they people definitely do. are like, "Yep, it's our land." <laughs> so, like, yeah. you know, yeah, we don't need this. We don't need this marketing. Not this as branding. much with the yeah. <laughs> the, That's the right. fake fake names for things in order to just try to pitch them. <laughs> Not really. Their That's style. right. Yeah. So, like I said, incredibly important that everyone knows that. Now you do. We can move on. All right. Well, that's a that was a good little chain of facts. I appreciate that. I like that one. Yeah. Uh, I have a bit of a theme for my facts this time. 
Okay, so I'm going to try to figure out what it is. You Let's try see to figure if I can out what figure it is. It out. I think it's going to be things that are more delicious with lead in them. Oh, see, now you spoiled it because I was going to go oh, on sorry. a whole... I don't know if this thing... I would say this thing maybe... Is it more delicious? Deliciousness is not a super key part of this story, but I'll let you decide what you think the theme is. Okay. So I, as I often do, ended up on a vortex reading about stuff that I was not seeking out. But I ended up uh, reading a little bit about the idea of and the threat from dirty bombs. Have you heard? Do you know what I mean when I say a dirty bomb? Yeah, that's where the, when the bomb explodes, that's not the, like the, 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 radi- the radioactivity is at worse once it, once it blows up, yeah, it's like a, it it's mean? a bomb that has radiation in it as well yeah, as so being it's, a bomb. Right? So, so it blows up and a lot of stuff blows up, but then the longer term effects are the radiation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which sounds horrifying. That does. Do you make, del- do, wait, hold on. Do you make really nice decanters out of it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that I can only use if the queen is coming. On this show, you're going to learn how to make a step one leaded decanter. No. Okay. We're all going no. to jail. and I- <laughs> no. no instructions. Well, only very vague instructions on how to make it or you on this show. We have <laughs> okay. standards, editorial standards here. But fun fact, uh-huh. a dirty bomb is not as bad as it sounds. Okay. It sounds, to be clear, <laughs> it is bad. Yeah, and also how bad it sounds is relative to every person, right? Yeah, but I think most people, I'm going to say 9 okay. out of 10 people listening are going to say, <laughs> dirty bomb sounds sounds very bad. A bomb with radioactive material strewn everywhere seems nine nine out of ten bad or maybe ten out of ten bad like really really bad, okay right i would think i don't know maybe that's maybe that's just my bias coming in maybe some people are like i don't know whatever yeah yeah radioactive yeah. bomb seems i, I mean some, not great soap over here it's not a big there's deal. other problems right but it's yeah. it's something that is commonly discussed in the context of anti-terrorism and emergency preparedness uh, because it's really scary mm. so okay what first, what is a dirty bomb? So it's a conventional bomb, yeah. even just like a stick of dynamite and something that explodes, but they add radioactive material into it. So then it gets spread around uh, when the bomb that sounds, comes up. That sounds bad. Definitely bad. And so it's like, I think okay. then go as far back as like the movie Goldfinger, there was uh, mentioned part of the plot, uh, but it's a common thing that comes up in movies and books and, and, and terrorists uh, discussions about trying to keep. Uh, terrorism in check or whatever the idea which is as far as anyone knows has not been actually has not actually happened but that uh, at some point oh, there's never been a dirty bomb go off there's never been a dirty bomb go off intentionally as far as anyone knows um but that okay. terrorists c- could acquire and it's apparently like not that hard uh compared to it's like way 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 easier than an than a, a nuclear bomb that terrorists could get some radioactive material pair it with conventional explosive you can make explosive out of like fertilizer again no detailed instructions on this show okay so now after this episode comes out if this happens at any point in the future it's alan's fault it is I just want everyone it to is know the that. show's equal fall as per our contract no, it, they all seem Questions made on the show are equally. I'm going to reread. So this supposedly, <laughs> supposedly, as as you know, uh, in the scheme of uh, weapons, it's a lot uh-huh. easier than you would want it to be to create such a bomb. Um, so I agree. Would, which is why any ability is easier than I want. It yeah, to be. we want ideally no ability to do this. That's um, right. But uh, the idea of being able to spread around radioactivity is really terrifying to people, and so hence the interest of terrorists, because people think of it as a small-scale nuclear explosion. We know all the horrors of nuclear bombs, uh, which would be horrific, but that's not what it is. Okay. The unintuitive thing about dirty bombs is that the dangerous part is the conventional bomb, like the fertilizer explosion or the TNT or whatever. That's the actual dangerous part. The dirty part, where it spreads radiation around, is mostly just for terror. Okay. It's that the idea of the radiation being spread around would be so scary to people. And to some degree, the economic damage and that, like, you'd have to evacuate and it'd be expensive to clean up and all these kind of things. That's the damage for, of the, the quote unquote dirty part, the uh, radiation part, the, the simulations analysis that people have done on this topic uh, has apparently indicated there will probably not be enough radiation to actually cause any fatalities or even severe illness from the radiation. Huh. But it would be much more like it would be shocking to people. And so that's like interesting. The so the bomb would go off and then the, the news would be like, and it's a dirty bomb, it's a dirty bomb and there's radiation. radiation. And then everyone would be like, oh my goodness. Manhattan but actually the, yeah. the, all the problems that, that had already happened would have 
been all the problems. Yeah, the radiation, like the the huh. news story of the radiation and the people being terrified. I mean, that's the goal of terrorists, obviously. That would be the. This is like the way that. I'm going to make an incredible analogy here. <laughs> this is like the way that back in the day, the the email was the spam. The email the, the was email the spam. The email about the virus. Yes. Yeah. Wait, okay. what? <laughs> and you know, like in the early days when you get an email saying like, if you open this email, your computer will explode and fly away like a vampire or whatever. And, you know, I don't, maybe this didn't happen to you, but your my parents were like, is this... Is this actually, is it bad that I open this email? And I would say like, no, nothing bad can happen to you by looking at an email. This was obviously pre the invention of the worst piece of software ever written, Microsoft uh, Outlook. Right, right. But like, but like you, you, the email, the email was the scam. Like there was no, nothing right. bad was going to happen. Oh, I mean, this still happens where people see me like, oh, unless you send Bitcoin to this address. Bitcoin, whatever, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And the email is the only thing. They don't yes. have whatever they claim they have. Yes. Yeah. And so to be clear, like it is possible to get, I mean, you know, terrorists and people can make bombs and you can get, and like, this is the thing that makes dirty bombs like something that is still discussed and people are concerned about is that there's radioactive material, especially like in medical imaging devices and stuff like that. Like there's quite a lot of it around, right? Like Mm. weapons grade plutonium and nuclear reactor, just things like that. Hard to get. Hard to get that. But if you're like an, you know, an abandoned x-ray machine or whatever, like they're around. Easier to get. Easier to get, right? Still, they try to control yeah. them, but there's lots of them or whatever. Sure. Um, and so it's something that's relatively easy to to construct. But apparently um, the thing that makes nuclear fallout and all these sort of things and and the general fear that we have and we associate with radiation, uh, the, the threat and like think of Chernobyl and all this stuff, it's about nuclear chain reactions, which is not what happens in a dirty bomb. And like something people one thing about radioactive material the people that's not intuitive and people don't think this way about it is that it's really stable like you can have a chunk of plutonium and you can just hold it in your hand now as i do every night before i go to bed i don't have any plutonium i just want to just want to clarify yeah. for anyone listening. <laughs> but, but if you did you could hold it in your hand the advice is to wash your hands after which i would say is the official, i think that's good advice that's the official advice that's of good advice show, is to wash your hands that is the official advice plutonium to be honest with you the official advice of the show is to wash your hands after holding anything all objects but we're gonna go (laughs) to special advisory for plutonium yeah three happy birthdays minimum yes um and the insides outsides and then in between the fingers and then make and always make sure if you're married that you wash around your ring Mm -hmm. because underneath the ring can be the dirtiest part of your hand yeah exactly uh and then while you're at it if there's any plutonium on there you get that off too the, Just get that plutonium out. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> fact is that okay. uh, plutonium and mm, not many but not all sources of radiation um, is quite stable. And so the amount of radiation that it's just kind of spewing out when it's sitting there idly is really low. Um, and it takes a nuclear chain reaction, it, which has a whole bunch of conditions that are, you know, not just going to happen when this thing is just sitting there that would also not happen if it, it was so you could take some plutonium pick some plutonium plutonium pellets or whatever put it in some dynamite when you blow it up there's little plutonium pellets everywhere which is like a pain in the ass because now you need to clean it up you can't just wash mm. it away right you got to like mm. make sure it's well cleaned up to find all the pieces yeah like breaking a glass leaded glass yeah <laughs> the plutonium pellets are just like sitting there and they're like putting out like in the scheme of things way less radi- radiation than like something that you get from like a nuclear reactor or something like that because uh, uh, an explosion like that is not enough to start a nuclear reaction so do you think this is why dirty bombs are not a thing that have really been used that's like one of the speculations is the idea it's like okay it's something that is relatively easy to put together in the scheme of things that, for how scary it is but yeah. that the threat that someone might do it will like it will it'll get once less scary the first time it happens it would be if assuming it ever happens in history it'll be really scary and it'll be shocking this idea that this happened but then once it gets cleaned up and then the analysis like this thing i'm talking about the fact that a dirty bomb is scarier psychologically than it is it's the bomb part that's actually the dangerous part that they that just kind of spreading some you know hopefully they they would probably not even get plutonium but whatever it is that they spread around would be mostly about uh spreading something that's expensive to clean up rather than something mm. that a whole bunch of people are going to die from radiation poisoning um right. especially like in the short term um that would then make it less scary then from then out because people yeah it would be a thing people were more aware of yeah yeah it would yeah. lose its mystique and so apparently it is referred to in like um you know public safety and emergency preparedness uh circles slightly ironically but it's referred to as a weapon of mass disruption 
not destruction. That's good. Yeah. It's it's disruptive. Yeah. It would be alarming. It would you know yeah. you'd have to evacuate the area. But uh, yeah. Okay, so is your theme disruption? Because if you drink two liters of whiskey, <laughs> you will also be disrupted. How would you describe the theme that you were that you have seen between these two facts? My theme is something that is more dangerous than it seems, and something that is less dangerous than it seems. Like ah, okay, so contrast, contrast could be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There is no good segue from that to my fact. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a plutonium or lead related. Well, my fact is definitely contrasting. Okay. With this one, okay. I guess. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. F- fun fact. There are six countries in the world where it is legal to escape from prison. Ooh, I like it. As in like, it's like a trial by combat. Like if you can get out. You know, it's our fault. We're just no. not, you know, you're just testing. It's no, that like would be a, penetration testing. That would be amazing. No. So in, in Mexico, Belgium, Germany, the Netherlands, Sweden, and Austria, the philosophy of the law holds that it's human nature to want to break out of confinement. Oh, hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like you just, it's just, it's just human nature. No one wants to be locked up. So therefore, if you break out of prison, you are not committing a specific crime and no extra time will be added to your sentence. Uh, but if you create do do crimes in your attempt to break out, this is the problem. Which is so, fairly hard to break out of prison without doing it is additional illegal. Crimes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, for example, to use Germany as an example, it's illegal for anyone to help you break out of prison. Right. That seems reasonable. And that seems reasonable. And in addition, if you, as you said, if you break any other laws while escaping, then you'd be charged with those you crimes. Somebody so, and, steal and, something. and that actually, well, it, it, it gets kind of kind of deep. So, if you if you damage the prison's property like you saw the bars or you dig a hole then obviously yeah that's a crime that's a pretty small crime in the scheme of things i would imagine unless they have like a special prison bar no i think pr- probably if you get i think in all of these countries if you get caught and come back to prison then number one you're definitely serving your entire sentence well, and number two they will probably not treat you particularly well but if you assault someone you know obviously that would yeah. also be a crime but here's one you might not have th- th- thought about let's say that you you know they, they're just a it's a minimum security prison they're not really doing a good job and they someone leaves a window open and you jump out the window and you run away mm-hmm. well unless you go naked you've now <laughs> stolen stole- the prison's clothing <laughs> <laughs> so, and they're going to throw the book at you for that theft. <laughs> absolutely, they are. Those valuable so, striped pajamas. <laughs> exactly. That's. I mean, that's theft. So, very few prison escapes in those countries actually go unpunished. It's very hard to break out of prison without breaking any additional laws. laws. And by the way, for any of our listeners out there, maybe maybe the theme of this fact tying into the past fact, or at least the first one, could be you know cautionary. I guess all of my facts and most of your facts are this week or this month are cautionary tales mm-hmm. in some fashion. Well, in Mexico, it, it is legal for officers to attempt to shoot prisoners trying to escape. Mm. Yeah, it's not like a so just something to be aware of. Yeah. Yeah. Keep that in mind. I would say, I don't know. Is that a better, is that, I, I'm like thinking from philosophical perspective, do I like the idea where it's illegal to break out, but the officers can't shoot you simply for leaving uh, or where it's legal to break out, but they can shoot you. I feel like I don't love, I don't like that combo. I feel like they should only be able to shoot you. I mean, I would say no try. Let's just try not to shoot people. But if you are going to shoot people, maybe people that are at least breaking a law, breaking the law, because at that point they're not actually breaking the law. I feel like a bad combo. It's, it, yeah. It seems odd. That Downvote on that. I, Mexico. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> Although I feel like, there's something poetic. If you're in a Mexican prison, it seems like you kind of got to try to break out. I don't know. It just seems. But Mexican prisons do have a pretty high uh, rate of breakouts. And I don't know if that's because of the fact that it's illegal. I don't think so because I don't I mean, think the shooting part is probably because of that. Yeah, probably. But the other five countries, I don't think, have an unusually high number of prison break attempts. So I don't think that's the answer. It, do, do Mexican prisons really have a higher breakout percentage? Or is that just like, it's like a story. It's like a meme, like in an old school well, sense of well, at least while I was doing this research, it seemed to me that they do. Hmm. But if someone, uh, but it's also possible that the, that I read both sort of, shall we say, well-researched things and less well-researched things. So it's possible that I saw the Mexican prison break rate in a less well-researched thing. So let's assume that we don't know. Yeah. Well, if you personally have broken out of a Mexican prison and you have info for us <laughs> about its frequency... Then you just let us know. Yeah, any, yeah. Know. So in in one of the in one of the articles I read, it said massive prison escapes are not uncommon. Some of the latest ones being around 130 inmates that fled using a tunnel, or some external commandos that bombed the prison walls. Now, but I don't know 
uh, where that information came from. So it's interesting. Take it with a grain. It's of interesting salt. how crime and how like there's a, the legal system that has its judgments necessarily mm. on what is and is not allowed, and then mm. there's like the popular sentiment around certain crimes and those mm. sometimes align quite well and other times diverge a lot and how yeah. as times come and go you have different social opinions about laws and punishments which may not be changing at the based on how people feel about it for example the the bank robbers uh in the depression that would get cheered on and that you know there'd probably right. be some people who are like oh you really shouldn't be robbing a bank and like oh yeah well, i see you like oh and then you end up killing someone too like oh you really definitely shouldn't be killing people when you're robbing a bank but, no but there were a lot of a lot of famous bank robbers you know john dillinger yeah. bonnie and clyde they were kind of celebrated folk heroes yeah because the the legal system and people opinion about how bad the crime was didn't match up at that time because the banks were considered pretty evil that's right Uh, that's right and i feel like there's you know times uh where escaping from prison is thought of as you know even in countries where it is or maybe especially in countries where it's illegal it's thought of like you say as something that people are inherently gonna kind of want to do especially somebody who's been locked up for a really long time maybe disproportionate for something that may be a disproportionate sentence for what they did uh you know like some people who are like had possession of of pot and then they're in prison for like 20 years or whatever and and now it's legal and yeah right in jail and, and so and then yeah, yeah. someone breaking out especially if they can do it without hurting someone it and especially with ingenuity tunneling systems and clever mm. tricks and things like that like that's one of those yeah. crimes that really seems slanted on the the uh the system punishes it worse than public opinion does no we make movies and celebrate it and they're great they're called shawshank redemption yeah yeah and others right I mean, there's, there's no others. prison break and catch me if you can but that's the kind of thing he would do yeah agreed yeah um yeah that's cool well if there i feel like that's also fun i don't know if we need to make a do we need to expand the room make a corner for crimes that we celebrate <laughs> celebrated crime celebrated corner uh, it's a two gun he wasn't really celebrated I nah, really I think, yeah, I think he was up to no good but <laughs> yeah i also have a little bit of follow-up this time follow-up yeah. which sometimes oh. sometimes we do and i've got two items mm. first two two follow-ups oh. two follows up okay. two follow two yeah follow-ups. is it follows up follow-up. like with the surgeons general no, i think it's i <laughs> <laughs> let's say it let's, let's say it does on this show it does in episode 18 titled probably a scheme episode 18 hold on hold on hold on what episode are we in now this is going to be like 40, 40 50, something 60 okay in episode 18 probably a scheme i was a young man back when we were young yeah <laughs> the world was a different place it really was we really discussed was. 432 park avenue a super tall tower in manhattan we did yeah. yes i remember that and if you recall yeah. they were able to build it to 1400 feet tall in part by making a number of the floors empty with giant there holes schemes. in them it was, a, it was very scheme there were schemes involved in that for sure yeah but the idea was making a bunch of the floors just giant holes instead of having stuff in them then they wouldn't count towards zoning limits yeah because taller because you could sell the taller uh apartments were more worth more than lower ones so they would they would being taller was valuable yeah and like perversely even being like the fact that the overall tower was taller made even the lower floors more valuable oh because you're living in this this prestigious tower but you're only on the third floor or whatever gotcha okay yeah um well Mm -hmm. you will be shocked to learn that the tower with shocked uh holes in it has some problems (laughs) (laughs) reportedly noise leaks and cracks so i'm shocked if you're interested in learning about that and having a bit of schadenfreude at the people apparently including j-lo and alex rodriguez bought an apartment in there among many other mm-hmm. people paying 10 40 80 million dollars for apartments in 432 park avenue and then it's noisy and creaky and leaky and and it's just uh you know i don't i don't want to wish ill on people but once you get into the billionaire range then i'll tolerate it <laughs> hard to sell those apartments if if it's a terrible place to live yeah when it's when it's incredibly expensive and not pleasant to live there although obviously a lot of these super rich people don't spend a lot of time living there but i feel like it would depress the value yeah we are agreed uh so that's follow-up one follow-up two is as you mentioned earlier in the show it's helpful for us to have reviews and we mentioned that for the first time in a while recently and we got some reviews people left 
some kind reviews talking about the show and and uh so we appreciate that and we super appreciate super appreciate that because it helps people find the show and then get more listeners and then we get more you know feedback on the show so it's a nice cycle Mm -hmm. um and so i want to reward the reviewers okay one reviewer who their itunes name was Karen something 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 with a bunch of numbers and I was like oh this must be my <laughs> wife Karen but yeah. it is conclusively not my wife she Karen okay. on the iTunes review says we should do more geography facts and Karen my wife says we do too many geography facts so we know <laughs> it's not um but uh uh iTunes reviewer Karen says that she is very invested in my search for an electric wagon which is something I've mentioned yeah previously. I saw that um, yeah and I know that I I am too guys uh tech guys talking about electric cars on a podcast is not something anyone needs and so I try always refrain and I suppress my desire to do so but now the reviewers want it Arik <laughs> so I need to follow up on the process it's just the right thing to do it's just the right thing to do they've asked the people are crying out for this content they're they're crying out for it yeah via do you have any reviews. Do you have any updates for them? Um, yeah, I have a little bit of updates. I haven't purchased anything, but I continue to do research and keeping an eye on what's going out so I can give a little, throw out a few little data points of things if people are themselves. So context for this is I uh, don't love uh, trucks in terms of their like you know size and styling. I like a uh, family vehicle that's a little lower to the ground. And so I like the wagon body style. Not the most popular cool person vehicle right now the the station wagon not super hot uh but uh, it's sort of my preference and so uh in terms of looking into maybe have an electric vehicle which is then kind of the next step i'm not going to buy a gas vehicle in 2021 or plus like i feel like at least like maybe plug-in hybrid or better is where i would Mm -hmm. be looking for our next vehicle so uh i have an eye out on okay what are the wagon like vehicles out there uh things that have a bunch of storage in the back so you can throw in strollers and things like that And the VW, who has the ID4 coming, which is like a reasonable quote unquote crossover, small SUV, uh, ID4 is coming out soon or is like now available maybe in very small quantities. Um, apparently, mm-hmm. they have just in the last week announced that they are going to put into production in uh, another year or two what is the, uh, I, it looks to me like a wagon, um, it, but <laughs> they call a fastback because apparently wagons are not cool. Um, and that's uh, they'll use one of their probably like ID something uh, names for it. But they're going to be producing an electric what I claim is a wagon. I've sent you a link of, of what uh, the concept art for the thing looks like. It's like looks like. Ah, OK. I really hope it's not called ID Space Vision. So the, the <laughs> name of the of the concept was ID Space and then Vision, but Vision with two Z's. Yeah, I'm not into Volkswagen. Someone told Volkswagen that Z's were cool, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I want to find that person and have a chat. If we could, we don't normally do interviews on this show, but if we could interview the person who's been naming Volkswagen's concept cars for the last few years, yeah, uh, Yeah, I'd like to have a talk. We'd love to meet with you. This car looks cool. You know, this is. I think I'm. I I believe that I'm legally bound to remind you that station wagons are very easy to come by if you live in germany uh, yeah, yeah, I know. well you can send me one <laughs> <laughs> that i had i had a station wagon for the first few months that we were here yeah because they're just uh, around uh, they're just around now i i asked for a station wagon and instead they gave me a jeep which is kind of does not wagon. sound like stereotypical european behavior no it's i'm quite it's quite annoying it has less trunk space less interior space mm-hmm. and, and tiny quite, windows it's a fun car to drive but yeah, it's. I mean, it's a nice car, I guess, but like, it definitely is not what we. And we're paying more anyway. It's a whole thing. But so the the this car looks cool. It looks like a. I mean, it looks like a concept car. I think a lot of this stuff, like that steering wheel, are probably not going to make it to whatever they actually produce. But it has kind of like a a Tesla aesthetic internally, and it definitely has a. They can call it a fastback all they want because I mean, I guess it's it slopes, but it has a classic station wagon, or as they call it in this continent a state a state look to it yeah and, and i think this is the future car for you yeah I, i'm gonna have an eye on it for sure obviously i would want to see reviews of it and ideally test drive it which is why 
everything is mostly just Googling right now and all that testing going on. But, but you don't need to do any of that, Alan, because it says here on the webpage promoted by Volkswagen's own newsroom that it brings unrivaled flexibility, uncompromising quality, and in all capitals, German design to a new era of mobility. So, I mean, what? Oh, you don't well, I guess to, I'll just pre-order then. You do, yeah, just buy it now. I love like, uncompromising. Like almost no engineering. I can't think of a consumer engineering effort. No, you cannot. More compromising <laughs> than trying to make a consumer <laughs> then, passenger vehicle nowadays with totally. all of the constraints it's and all the regulations and absolutely aerodynamics. And every, it's way. like everything is a trade-off. Yeah, yeah um, totally. Speaking of trade-offs. Um, there is a little thing which I'll link in the show notes and I'll send to you is that I found a, cause I was trying to figure out what are the aerodynamic consequences of wagon. It seemed to me like they might be good. It might be that, uh, a, uh, wagon, um, or a sort of, or a fastback, if you will, um, or a state, depending. <laughs> I, w- I will not. <laughs> the fastback thing is such a lie, um, but okay. Yeah. But there's uh, a website where someone has done some uh, fluid dynamic simulations of the different shapes of car to make kind of generalizations around how they affect aerodynamics, mm-hmm. which matters a lot if you're an electric car, because it has a big impact into range. And apparently I was disappointed to learn that the more wagony shape, um, that where the back pillar is fairly vertical. So you get a lot of height in your your um, lift uh, sort of trunk area is a bit worse for aerodynamics than if what if also again some companies will call a fastback or like more like the Tesla Model Y shape where you have. A Were gate. you surprised to learn this? Mm, it makes logical sense it, once I saw it. It's literally creating more yeah. <laughs> drag, like it's mm-hmm. existence. But once you see it in okay. the in the graphic, it's like oh okay, I yeah, can see. And so my yeah. my sense is that my. My yearning for a traditional wagon or like wagony wagon, like the one that I have now, which is the VW wagon uh, in an electric is probably mostly just not going to be like the four aerodynamic reasons is going to be more shaped like the Model Y where the, yeah. the top, like the roof uh, is going to be more uh, a bit further away from the back bumper and it's going to be more sloped uh, hatch. And that's just going to be something I'm going to have to deal with. I'm just going to have to suck it up. Yeah, I think until there's a some quantum leap in, uh, which was a fun show in the 90s, I think, uh, not until there's a quantum leap in battery technology, because at the moment it's, you know, they're just trying so hard to get range. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does sound like they, there's they, some maybe substantial, like yeah, with ba- there's always some battery technology coming around. Yeah, no, corner. that's the thing. But it's always it's always incredibly good, but incredibly impossible to make enough of or cheaply. Enough. Yes, but apparently, supposedly uh, yeah. in the next like two to four years five to ten years oh, oh okay. Meaningful okay change but it's like oh, with the battery stuff it's always like okay 10 percent gain here and 20 percent gain here it's like not suddenly a quarter of the size of the cost or whatever so most of the same constraints are still going to be around more range is going to be good less battery makes less weight which is win so um one last little thing on the you know wanting something you know if you have the things that you like in a way if you like a wagon if a wagon would fit your needs um, and because you want storage space in the back and you want uh, a little more room, but you don't want it to be huge. Um, and you want to have something that primarily runs on battery. Uh, all of like the car press right now is, seems to be kind of converging on the idea that you, the RAV4 prime, which is the plug-in RAV4 is the most pragmatic thing to buy. So I don't think I could bring myself skeptical to do that. But I'm very, very skeptical. Apparently, it is a, a surprisingly good, like, a, a, the car press likes the RAV4 or historically is like the RAV4 because it's like, okay, well, it's, you know, relatively, um, you know, it's a, a relatively car, good car in terms of it solves problems for families. And, you know, it's not something that anyone's excited by, but the Prime has enough battery power um, and that you, and has quite a bit of range for a plug-in hybrid. Uh, and it, apparently it is quite a bit more fun to drive than a normal RAV4. So uh, there's a lot of positive reviews about it. So if you're a little... Yeah, but who the heck wants a plug-in hybrid? Why do you want a plug-in hybrid? You want a plug-in hybrid because you uh, either have some mix of range anxiety where you're like, well, I want a car that I can get around town and normally have like a medium amount of commute because I think RAV4 Prime has like 50 or 60 miles of, of range. 42 epa res, estimated miles right and so i mean for me that would if i had rav prime for example i would probably the gas engine would probably kick in maybe every well right now no one's going anywhere but like on a normal year where we do our road trips and visiting family and stuff like that the gas engine would probably kick in a few times a year um which would mean that which would mean that we could go into 
like almost entirely battery usage. And for the thing that I was like originally jokingly saying, oh, I want need an electric car because I don't need any, I don't want any combustion happening yes. in my garage. You were not jokingly totally saying it, but that. you, but you would solve the but actual also, real problem you were very strong about. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it would, it would very much solve that. Uh, and then I would be able to, you know, go visit uh, family or whatever periodically. And yeah, I, I owned a, I owned a plug-in hybrid briefly. I had the Audi A4 e-tron. Oh, I didn't realize e-tron. I thought e-tron was just a battery. I didn't realize it was a hybrid. It was a hybrid, and I'm I'm not. I think all electric is the answer. I personally, I I definitely think that you get a lot of advantages. And my strong preference would be a car that was designed electric from the ground up, mm. because you get a bunch of. And we talked about this a bunch of yes. engineering trade offs that are better. Um, but if you're gonna get a car that was designed, because like a lot of the best. EVs that are not a Tesla and like I'm increasingly skeptical of my willingness to tolerate this Tesla thing of like there's no buttons for anything there's no that is buttons. yeah there's, no that's absolutely uh, awful I, and I'm now not it's like excited at oh all we're removing this. the reverse and yeah, forward I think they're gonna <laughs> like, be told no by no. regulators on that one no. uh I think that's a terrible terrible no. idea but no. not for me um so so outside of Tesla then looking at EVs there's a couple like ground up EVs available right now, but if you're like, I want to buy an EV right now, most of the appealing options are all uh, things that were originally designed as a, as a gas um, powered car. And uh, so they have all those trade-offs already. So to, to go to the all electric, like the advantage of, for example, if you look like at the Nero and there's a, the Kona, which is basically a badge engineering, very similar, um, the small SUVs, um, there's battery versions and there's hybrid versions of them, but the battery version doesn't get you a bunch of the design benefits you would get from a clean sheet design from battery from the ground up those are version. also both not particularly nice cars so i think they're not particularly that's... nice cars they're apparently a lot less fun to drive than the rav4 prime because the rav4 yeah. prime is different than most of these battery uh, conversions in that it has a good enough and powerful enough battery that apparently it's pretty okay it's relative it's fun to drive for a rav4 which is like well, i will i will i'm not i'm not yeah i will remain skeptical one. but i'm just uh, saying i'm googling around i'm asking the internet please tell okay. me okay I want to buy an electric wagon, and the internet is telling me, "No, you don't. You want the Rav Four Prime is definitely not a wagon." And uh, no. let's all let's all band together. Maybe we get a Kickstarter going. We could, you know, convince someone to make an electric wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Please, someone. Please. I just want an electric wagon with a button. Yeah. Or a control to say uh, my vehicle should go forward in reverse. <laughs> You've been listening to After the Fact. <laughs> with, this is After the Fact. Uh, with, with Alan and Ark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>